0: we're so glad that you've tuned into our rolling hills community church sermon podcast i'm jacob thomas and i'm the student director here at our rolling hills nolensville campus as we've been in our current series refine we've already hit on three of the seven deadly sins and in today's message we're considering the sin of sloth. this sin can oftentimes be one of the most difficult to find and to even credit as sin but if we aren't careful and aware of the ways that the enemy is working against us This sin can creep into our hearts and lives. So today, we'll clearly define what this sin may look like in your life and the lives of others. And not only that, but we will discover ways to actively fight this sin in order to become more like Christ each and every day. Now, here's week four of our series. Well, maybe you are like me in this, or I
1: assume that you're like this, uh, because I think it's a pretty common thing for most of us. We like an opportunity to just stop and be still, don't we? A moment where we can kind of just stop and and catch our breath, so to speak, because for a lot of us, life is very uh, very hurried. You know, we go 100 miles an hour, it's 24-7, 365 in a row, and it's difficult to stop and take a breath. And you know that feeling of just wanting to stop and just chill out for a second and just kind of... Be lazy, if you will, and just kind of let life stop, so to speak. In fact, I had one of those days this week, and I'm not complaining because it was everything that I had added to my own calendar, but do you have those days that you just kind of get to the end of it and you're like, well, that kind of chewed me up and spit me out. And, uh, and it happened to be a day of just back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings on, I think, one of the rainy days of this week, which could have been any day this week. And so by the, time, by the time I got home and I walked in and I looked at my beautiful wife, and the first thought in my mind was to say what I was feeling, but I said hello first. And then the second words out of my mouth were, I've never wanted to be in sweatpants more than right now. You know, just that moment, you know it, where you're, just, you're in and you're like, I'm ready To veg out. I'm ready to just be still. And you know that. You want a breather. It's like there's a train that has been barreling down on you, and all you can know is just, I've got to to be rescued for a moment. And then all of a sudden, you walk into church this morning, and one of our amazing greeters hands you a worship guide, and you look at the top of the worship guide, and today's about sloth. (laughs) And you think to yourself, I just needed a break. And here's this pastor going to give me some prescription about how I'm not supposed to take a break and how I'm not supposed to be lazy and how I'm not supposed to ever take time for myself because, Pastor, all I really want is to not be criticized for wanting to lay around for a day in sweatpants. On the contrary, I'm not going to make you feel guilty today because what you're going to see in God's Word and His infinite wisdom is that God did, in fact, make a way for us to find rest. He did, in fact, command that we take care of ourselves by connecting with him. He did also simultaneously say that life's not to be about us. He did simultaneously say that we're not to live a lazy, lethargic life, that we are to be people who are a part of what he is doing. So if we know all of that, where does it go awry? Where is the disconnect? Well, I'm so glad you asked because that's the topic for today. Where is the disconnect? How do we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't always do it? And for those of you here with us for the very first time today, you have caught us in week four of this incredible series called Refine, where we've been looking at what's kind of has come to be known as the seven deadly sins, and how are these sins encumbering us? How are they entangling us? And how are we to refine those things so that we can experience the life and the freedom that we have? And some of the feedback that we have got from this message series, I've heard it every week, is I came in not knowing that that was something I struggled with. But then when I left, I realized maybe I am a greedy person. Or maybe I do have some gluttony. Or maybe there is some lust that's in my life that I didn't know. And so my hope and my prayer is that maybe God would unearth some things today, would show us what it is that he wants to teach us as we seek to pursue him. And so out of the gate, we're talking about sin. And, you know, sin is not something that I I don't want you to think that this is a church, if you're new here today, that every sermon series is about, you know, all of the heavy sins of the world. But sin is something that we have to grapple with. Why? Because we all have it. We're all in common with that. One of the great equalizers in all of our life, according to Scripture, is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So God has a standard for our life, and because of sin, we fall short. So what does sin do? Sin takes something that God intended for good, and he puts us in our court, and so we take it, and we run with it, and it distorts these good things. And so instead of growing closer to God, sin separates us from God. And our desires, our own kind of fleshly desires, if you will, make us in need of forgiveness. And that's the beautiful part of this message series, is that where does the refining come? The refining only comes through Jesus. God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son so that you could have life. I will rarely stand up here behind this table without talking to you about the power of the gospel. And about Jesus Christ coming so that you could have life. And if you're here this morning and you've not experienced that, or maybe you have faith questions about that, or you're struggling to know, can I really believe that? I promise you God loved you so much that he gave. He gave his one and only son so that you could have life. And if you believe in him and confess with your mouth, then what scripture says is that you will be saved. It's the power of the gospel. And so that's the That's the step that we take. That's how we grapple with this sin in our life because the scripture also tells us that all sin leads to death and eternal separation from God. And so I'm so thankful that you're here this morning because I want God to speak to us about is this a sin that we struggle with? And if it is a sin that we struggle with, what do we need to do? And what are the steps that we can take? And so I'm just, again, grateful that you are here. And And I think that the best place for us to start would be honestly answering this question. What is sloth? You know, for us to kind of say, talk about it. Like We've got to define what is it. What exactly is it? So is it sloth if I want to sleep for 15 extra minutes? You know, when I hit my snooze button, is that sloth? Uh-oh. Is it sloth if, you know, you want to take some time off work and go on a vacation? No, not at all, because by definition, by the worldly definition, sloth is a hesitancy to make a lot of effort. That's in order of essence what sloth is. What the world would say sloth is is basically a hesitancy. I'm kind of hesitant to put forth a lot of effort, to put some effort in there. Now, when I was preparing for this sermon series, my mind went to probably where your mind went when you saw the word sloth. I thought of the cute little furry animal that lives in the Amazon rainforest. And what do we know about those sloths? They move very slowly. (laughs) And they come down the tree one time per week to go potty. (laughs) That's what we know about sloths. They live in the Amazon rainforest, and they come down once a week to go to the bathroom, and they slowly head back up to the top of the tree. So there's got to be more to our understanding of sloth than that, but you get the picture that there's something that feels lethargic or something that feels slow or some hesitancy to be about what. I need to be about. And so I want to direct your attention to one of these key verses. This is in Proverbs chapter 24. You're going to see it up here on the screen. It's printed there for you in your worship guide as well. But listen to what it says here. This is just one of the many verses we're going to read today. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So you read that and you think, so if I hit the snooze button, a thief is going to come in to my house. That's not what we're talking about here. But inherent in this, in this text is that if I just fall prey to a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, a little bit more slumber, a little bit more slothfulness, then some negative things can start happening into my life. But to really get to the kind of heart of where we're headed today, I want you to zoom out for a second. I want to give you a big idea. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this big idea because it really is kind of the framework of what we're going to talk about. And it's here on the screen. It's on your notes as well. Sloth is more than a lazy issue. Sloth is an authority issue. Okay, so if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Sloth is more than just a lazy issue. Sloth is an authority issue. Now, does sloth involve some laziness? Absolutely, because laziness is symptomatic. It's a symptom of sloth, but laziness and sloth do not mean the exact same thing. Week two of the sermon series, I've preached a sermon on gluttony. The first time I've ever preached on gluttony, today's the first time I've ever preached on sloth. So we're just seeing how this goes. And what we talked about with gluttony is that Gluttony and overweight are not the same word. You can be in incredibly great shape and still be a glutton. Or you can be overweight and not be a glutton. So they're not necessarily synonyms. Sloth and laziness, we kind of use them interchangeably. But there's really more to the picture. And so in order to see that, what we have to do is go back to the very beginning. And when we go back to the very beginning, we get a really clear picture Of the human condition. If you go back to Adam and Eve in the quiet Garden of Eden, God created a utopian, a perfect environment for them to live in. And He gave them complete dominance over these things. You name the animals, you can do whatever you want to do, with one exception. He gave them one parameter. And listen to what the parameter was in Genesis 2 15, 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Many of you have familiarity with the story. What did Adam and Eve do? They ate from the one tree that God said not to eat from. I want you to imagine for a second that I have set up a golden crowd buffet for you in this room today, okay? But really good food, okay? 245 items, okay? Let's say I've put up here 245 items for you. And there's one little container over there at the very end that I say, you can have all 244 food items, just not that one. One over there. And what do we do? We line up for the one that we can't have. And what are you doing when you say that? What you're intentionally doing is you're saying, Jason, you gave me a rule. You gave me some restriction. And I chose to go against your authority. It's precisely the sin picture. Because what did God do? God said, you can do anything you want except eat from this tree. He gave them one guardrail, one parameter, one restriction, and they intentionally went and broke that restriction. So what is sin? Sin is a authority issue. It's me saying, I don't want to adhere to the authority that God has put in place. Sin in our life, it's you and I saying, I know better than you know God. You said that that tree is harmful, but we'll see if it's really harmful. And in essence, that's at the heart of sin. God has given us instructions. God has given us commands. God has mapped out how we are to live. God has made it really, really clear how we are to navigate through these issues connected to sloth. And when you hear them, it might might sound like, well, I'm just making a lazy choice. But in essence, what God is saying is, no, I've given you some parameters. I've given you some guardrails. I've given you some restrictions, if you will. But instead of following my restrictions, what are you and I saying? We're saying, I don't want any of those. I want the freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Nobody's going to tell me what I have to do. Nobody's going to tell me what rules I have to follow because I am man. Hear me roar. I can do whatever I want to do. I don't want any authority. I don't want to follow your authority. I am my own authority. And in essence, it's the sinful nature, and it's what's at the heart of sloth. I mean, go back to the text, Proverbs chapter 24. Let's go to verse 30, and listen to what the writer of Proverbs says about someone who is a sluggard, which is an interchangeable word for sloth. Starting in verse 30, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense, and thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. And I applied to my heart what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So what's the writer of Proverbs saying? He's saying, I looked at this field, so I drove by the home, or I walked by, They didn't have cars then, I walked by the home of a sluggard. And this is what was defined. The house was not maintained well. The ground was covered in weeds. The wall was broken down. And I saw behind all of that someone who said, "And instead of dealing with the situation out front, I would rather take a nap. Instead of dealing with what needs to be addressed out here, I'm going to take a little bit more slumber. Now, does somebody need to address the weeds? Yeah. Does somebody need to rebuild that wall around my house? Absolutely. Does somebody need to go through the routine maintenance? Absolutely. It's just not going to be me because I don't want to be told what to do. It's that intentional choice where you will say, I know that I need to do something, but I'm going to choose to reject that. I know that this is some guardrail, some parameter that God has set in place, but I don't want any restraints. I don't want any restrictions. Don't tell me what tree I can eat from. Don't tell me I need to rebuild that wall around my house. So sloth is not just being lazy, but sloth is saying, I don't want the restrictions, God, that you place on me. I don't want to have to follow your authority. And all of a sudden, I realized I am a lot guiltier of sloth than I thought I was when I came into this church this morning. That this rejection of authority is something that a lot of us deal with. And so you see this here on your notes. Why does this matter? Why is this something that you and I should be attending to? You see it there on your notes and up here on the screen. Sloth actually prevents you then from experiencing the life that God desires for you to have. Sloth actually prevents you from experiencing the life that God desires for you to have. I mean, go back to Proverbs. Proverbs 13:4. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Let me read that for you again. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Now, we've all had those moments where we chose just to kind of adopt sloth-like behavior, haven't we? And what does it look like for us? Sometimes it's like 14 you know, consecutive episodes of some show that we're really excited about. And we finish the season, which is awesome. But at the end of that, do you really feel better about yourself? No. You kind of feel like, I can't believe. I just did that. I can't believe that that's actually how I chose. And and I'm not trying to make you feel bad if that's if that's what you have done because I have certainly done that a lot in my life. But at the end of that, you kind of do have this moment when you realize the writer of Proverbs is true. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are filled. And that's what sin does. Sin sells us a bill of goods that's not healthy. It's why week 1 when we talked about lust, it's so crucial for us to understand that Pornography is something that has wreaked havoc in so many relationships. But does pornography actually satisfy you? No, it doesn't. Addictions of any kind, they numb your pain, but they don't satisfy you. We talked about greed last week. Can, greed, can living a greedy life bring you some temporary happiness? Absolutely. It's nice to live a greedy life, but does greed actually bring you joy? No. Why? Because you realize I bought something really, really nice, and guess what? She just bought something nicer. And now this crazy cycle just continues, and it doesn't always bring me the joy that I hoped it would bring. Sloth is no different. Now, it's not the end of the world if you have a lazy night at home. Don't feel bad this afternoon. Don't text me at 3 o'clock this afternoon and be like, Pastor, can I take a nap? You know, (laughs) that's not my intent of this message at all. But it becomes a much bigger deal when our desire for our creature comforts prevents us from actually experiencing what God has for us. And sometimes the only way we're going to realize what God has for us is when we realize those guardrails and those parameters and those restrictions, they're actually there for our benefit. And so let's don't reject that authority, but embrace that authority. It might not seem like a big deal to make myself the most important, but when you constantly in your life make yourself the most important, when you make yourself in all moments of life the one that everything else orbits around, what do you realize it does? It has crippling effects on your life. And you begin to see these, these results of sloth, if you will. In fact, I want to highlight for you five areas, and you see them there in your notes, five areas that, that I would call the results of sloth. And this is certainly not an exhaustive list, but just five things that you and I have to be aware of if we want to live a, a life and experience God's fullness, then these are things that we need to kind of push aside and push away from first is that a slothful life results in this. Spiritual growth will be stunted. Spiritual growth will be stunted. I mean, if you think of sloth as a rejection of authority, kind of coupled with just a desire to not advance in any area, then a natural byproduct is going to be stunted spiritual growth. Most of us probably wake up in the morning and we know the best things that we can do to start our day. You know, it's spending time in God's Word, it's reflecting on God's Word, it's spending time in prayer, it's just t- taking your mind and your life and, and centering it with God and saying, ah, I want to live for you, God, today. And I, I doubt that anybody would say that that's the wrong course of action, but what do a lot of our mornings look like? A lot of our mornings look a lot more slothful in that we get up and say, let me start this day out by thinking all about me. And so I get my email in order, you know, I post my Wordle score, you know, to make sure that you know I got that in four. uh, And I start scrolling, and then the day just kind of gets off to the races, and I get to the end of the day, and I I realize "Mm, I'm not where I want to be spiritually because that slothful attitude has kind of stunted me. Life being all about me has stunted me. Secondly, one of the things that you see is that discipline will be avoided. Discipline just kind of is avoided and we move away from discipline. Look at what Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4 says. I love this verse. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4. Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. Isn't it amazing? Like if you're a if you live with slothfulness, it's time to sow the seeds, and, and what do you do? You don't do anything. And then when it's time to harvest them, you look around and you say, Why well, don't I have any crops? Hmm because I avoided discipline. I didn't do the work that I needed to do when it needed to be done. I didn't follow God's instructions, and therefore I'm surprised when things aren't where I wanted them to be. When it's time to plow, you don't plow. So when it's time to reap, there's nothing to reap. I distinctly remember my college pastor telling me um, that the habits that I was forming as a student would uh, would likely be some of the habits that I kept into adulthood. And he was 100% true. But then he added on that a caveat. He said, but if you have a habit that you don't like, it's going to take about 21 to 40 days to teach yourself a new habit. And that's true for all of us. And so don't reject that discipline, but move towards that discipline. I promise you that a move towards slothfulness will not get you where you want to be in the area of discipline. It just won't. In fact, if there's an area of your life that you want to be more disciplined, and maybe you want to be more intentional. For those of you who are married, maybe you want to be more intentional in your marriage. For those of you who have children, maybe you want to be more, a more intentional parent for your grandparents. You want to be a more intentional grandparent. I promise you it is going to take some discipline to move in those areas. But slothfulness tends to say, mm, I'm going to avoid all of that discipline. Because why? Discipline is restrictive, and I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to follow anybody's authority, but my own. Another side effect of sloth is number three. Relationships will be nominal, if they're at all. Someone who's prone to slothfulness is really going to struggle in the relationship side of things. Relationships tend to be nominal. This is huge. Why sloth impacts our ability to have great relationships. But you and I were made for relationships. I mean, in Matthew chapter 22, when the religious leaders asked Jesus, what are the two most primary commandments? And they were saying that to catch him up and to think that they could be smarter than him. And he said, love the Lord God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So at the base level, most important, Jesus said relationships are key. They are the most important things in your life. We were built for relationships. So why is a relationship hard for someone who's in a spiral of sloth? Because what do relationships take? They take work. They take effort. If you're a person who never brings anything to a relationship, but you always take, if you're a person who always talks and never listens, if you're a person who says, I'm going to be perfect all the time, and then maybe I'll deal with the rest of you who are imperfect all the time. How healthy are your relationships going to be? They're not going to be there. They're going to be nominal at best, and sloth has led us to that. Whereas healthy relationships, they have some give and they have some take. You say, I know you and you know me. I have to let you know that I'm not perfect, and you have to let me know that you are not perfect. And if I'm willing to do that, if I'm willing to kind of put myself out there, then relationships can be really significant. But yet, kind of slothful thinking sometimes keeps us really debilitated when it comes to relationships. Another side effect of sloth, number four, is that serving will be optional. Sometimes people who are prone to sloth, they kind of look at serving opportunities and they're like, mm, you know, that's for other people. Serving will be seen as optional. Like most people who would say, yeah, that's important. But a person who's kind of living in this cycle of slothfulness will say, yeah, I know I should be passionate about those things. I know I should care about those things. Or I hear you talking about needs in the life of our church, or I see that we're always recruiting for new core team volunteers, or I see that there's trips that are coming up, or I see that there's sponsorship opportunities. I mean, you fill in the blank all the things that we bring to you all the time. Sometimes, if you're in a cycle of sloth, you'll look at those and you'll say, that's a really great idea. I really hope he calls somebody else to do it, though. Whereas, a person who's advancing and saying, you know, I want to refine this and move from sloth to initiative or ambition, if you will. They'll look at a list like we've put up here for you. And we've got a QR code and we post this QR code a lot if you want to scan it. And you can go to the page to see all the lists. But these are just, I asked our team this week, these are some of the biggest needs. And I'm not going to camp out on each of them, but you know, preschool babies at 11 o'clock, a high school small group leader on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m., uh, security team at the 8 a.m. service, uh, electric guitar players. I mean, there's just so many things, amazing opportunities for you to step into today, tomorrow, you know, things that that you can do. But often a, a someone who has sloth will say, you know, I really don't have time for that. Or I know that's important, but I just don't know how to prioritize it. And if you're care- not careful, what tends to happen is your Christian walk, instead of it being all about God and others, who does it become about? You. And everything circles back to me. Generally speaking, this is a truth that I could say with every sermon. Every time you make life about you, it tends to not end well. Temporarily, it's awesome. But long term, it's harmful. And it's really harmful for us. And if we're not careful, what can happen, and and I've seen this happen before, and as men and women who love this church and as men and women who are serving in this church and who partner with us, it is all of our responsibilities to make sure that this doesn't happen. If we're not really careful, a church can kind of become like a cruise line. What I call like the cruise line church where you kind of come and you eat and you drink and you dance and you be merry and you know you have people serve you food and all these other things and then you know you stop at a port and you get off and do it all again and then come back in. Guys, this is not a cruise line. We're not building a cruise line out here. It's a hospital. is a hospital for broken people. It's a hospital for people in need of transformation. In fact, if you're looking for a perfect church, I promise you this is not it. Good luck finding what you're looking for, but I promise you you will be sorely disappointed here if you think this is a perfect place. No, this is a place where we want you to be able to invite your friends who are far from God, and when they walk in those doors, they will be loved, they will be cared for, they will be embraced, and they will be told, God has a plan for your life, he is for you, and he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to give you life eternal. That's what we're about. But if I fall prey to sloth, sometimes I realize there is great news to share. There are people to be rescued, there's healing to be had, there's transformation to be had but God calls somebody else to do it because I don't know where to start or I don't know what steps it is that I should take. And lastly, in terms of these effects, sloth also causes a pretty unhealthy emotion to arise in some of us, and it's that emotion of fear. Fear tends to increase when we're living slothful lives. I mean, think about it. Sometimes, for some of our adult, lives, the greatest fear that we've had, for, for a lot of us, has been, what, the last two years. And what has our life looked like for some of the last two years for a lot of that time? It had some slothfulness, didn't it? It was me kind of trying to think about myself and all those kinds of things. Or maybe I was disconnected from community. And then all of a sudden you go back to Scripture and you realize God actually had something to say about this as well. Look at what Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13 says. A sluggard says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. I love this. What he's saying here is the writer of Proverbs is saying that someone who is prone to slothfulness, they say there's a lion in the road, so I can't go into the road. Now, I can't see a lion, but it might be there. I don't know what's out there. I don't know all what's out there in this big, scary world. But I can't go out because I got to stay safe. And I got to make life all about me. I can't be known. I can't take on any parameters. I can't have any restrictions. I can't go out and trust that God has got this because I may be attacked by a lion. I know that there are no lions in Tennessee, but there might be one on the loose. and I'd be attacked by it. Some of us have become so accustomed. And I've been in seasons of my life with this, so I relate to it where we kind of fear everything and we fear everyone and we're not connecting the dots that that's just a natural result of A slothful lifestyle that sometimes living a life of sloth just makes our fear increase. And God does not yearn for us to be captivated by fear, but yet yearns for us to be captivated by his joy. I mean, keep going on in those verses. A sluggard says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. Look at verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. Well, think about that tomorrow morning when you hit the snooze button again. And then verse 15, my favorite, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. I mean, I mean, this is like, done. But verse, 17 or verse 16 is the one I want to focus on. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. What do you see about a sluggard? You see it on your text, on your notes. But the only benefits of sloth are experienced by the person being slothful. And those benefits are pretty temporary. The only benefits of sloth are experienced by the person being slothful, and the benefits are temporary. It's why a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. See, this type of behavior is incredibly beneficial for the person who exhibits the behavior, because I'm wise in my own eyes. It's good for me to get what I want, because none of my rights are infringed upon. No one gets to tell me what to do. I'm ultimately in charge, and so I go down this path of slothfulness, making everything about me. I mean, who doesn't want to be lazy and in charge? Sign me up. It's like the perfect life, right? I don't have to do anything, and I get to be in charge of everything. And the writer of Proverbs says, you're wise in your own eyes, but you're not wise when it comes to ultimately what it is that God wants to do. Now, what I've come to realize, though, is that not only are these benefits very, very short-lived, but slothful living also directly impacts the people who are closest to us. And this is something that I think a lot of us, if we're gut-level honest, you know, if we did some honest inventory and kind of held up a mirror and looked at our life, we would realize that sometimes we don't show any sloth in areas that don't actually really matter in the long run, but we show a lot of sloth in areas that matter. For some of us, we hit all of our sales quotas. We're never late for a meeting. We respond to every email in a really timely manner. I mean, all the things that make the professional lives that we as men and women have. But if we're not careful, we never experience any sloth there. But when we come home, sometimes we allow slothfulness to kind of dictate what happens in our home. And in reality, which of those two is more important? I'll let you answer that yourself. So sloth is often most likely felt by people who truly matter the most. If you're single, the same story is true for you. Just because I used a reference with someone who's married or has children doesn't mean that this is not a true point for you as well. Why? Because you have a desire to cultivate relationships. You have a desire for community. Because it's hardwired from God within you, but the same principles are going to be at play in your life. You have to lean into it and you have to make time to prioritize Those things that really, really matter because when left to our own devices, what do we tend to do? We tend to isolate and we tend to kind of be in a moment where we make life all about us. But that slothfulness will always be felt. Now, let me clarify. Am I saying that life is to be run at a breakneck speed? No. Am I saying that I'm to never take a break? No. And again, am I here to try to make you feel bad about, you know, taking some time for yourself? Not at all. Because interestingly enough, a lot of us actually choose a slothful lifestyle because we have completely overlooked the fact that God gave us a design to prevent this from happening. God gave us a design to prevent this from happening. He actually took out all of the guesswork. When it comes to the need for rest and the desire to not burn out, God in advance set up some rules for us to follow Because he loves us, and this is what the rule is. God gave you a formula to provide rest and to prevent burnout. It's called Sabbath. God gave you, he gave you a formula to provide rest and to prevent burnout. It's Sabbath. Look at Leviticus 23. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. Sabbath was a command by God. He instructed us. To experience a day of rest, to prioritize a day of rest. If I were saying by a show of hands, who in here thinks that, you know, who in here struggles with knowing that if, is murder really a sin? Most of us probably aren't gonna be like, you know, I need some more interpretation on that. Let's get back to the original Hebrew and see. Because I'm not sure. I think there's probably some nuance with one of those verbs, and I, I don't know. I don't know. That one's still open for debate. We're all good with that one. But in the same list of 10, God says to keep the Sabbath holy. And we all of a sudden realize, "Mm, that's a lot easier for me to break. It's a lot easier for me to kind of just say, I don't know if I can do that. But you and I have got to understand that God's actually put a measure in place, a command in place, a formula in place, that if we will stop and be still and take time to worship and take time to reflect, up on him, to spend that uninterrupted time with him, it actually combats this slothfulness in our life. And it's been my experience that when we go through kind of lazy, lethargic, lack of initiative, lack of ambition seasons, these seasons where we don't want any restrictions, the seasons we don't want any guardrails, the seasons where we're struggling in relationships, the seasons where we say, you know what, life is all about me, often what's happening in that season as well is we're not Sabbathing. We're not taking time to rest. And so we start from a really skewed place. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Maybe for you this morning, it was just a, a reminder of there's some things in your life that you need to take an inventory of. Or maybe you're here and you realize that piece that we talk about from knowing Jesus Christ is not something that I have and I want it this morning. Or maybe you're here and, and you're experiencing it. And this is real, and it's striking a chord with you because it's, it's directly connected to where you are right now, and you realize that it's having detrimental side effects in your life, and you're ready for a change, and you're ready to take that initiative. You're ready to take that step. You're ready to grow in discipline. You're ready to grow in relationships. Or maybe this is just kind of all new, and you're processing it. And you're saying, I don't know what I need to do with this, but maybe, God, you're going to show me something later. But big picture, Big picture, this matters hugely. Why? Because anything that's sinful, that's not refined in our life, is always going to be a point of contention. It's going to separate us from what it is that God wants to do in our life. So this morning, I want to pray for you. Why? Because I believe and I know that Jesus wants us to experience full life. He wants us to experience that rich life. And so I hope and pray this morning that you'll find that. You'll find that in him and him alone. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for who you are. I thank you for just your peace in this place. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, you are so good to us. You are so kind to us. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for the community. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit who reminds us in this very moment of areas of our life that we need to take inventory of. And I pray, God, that each of us would have the courage and the faith to take the steps that you're asking us to take today. For the one here who... Um, Maybe struggling in their faith, God, meet them here. For someone that you're encouraging them to take a next step, give them the courage to do that today. And for all of us, God, I pray that we would grow in you, that we would trust in you, and that we would find our faith placed squarely in you today, God, not in ourself,
0: but in your holy name. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our other great podcasts like the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful for you.